I'm here with Dan White, and Dan, you know, I've been involved in church for decades. Uh, I'm one of the, you know, been a member as long as about anybody, but ever since I can remember, you were here. So you go way back too. So tell I us go about. Back. I actually I go back to when I uh, before I came to Charlotte. Um, I was here one year while I was an undergraduate in North Carolina. I was here one uh, one spring, or I guess it was spring for the um, for the Baptist Student Union Convention that was being held in Charlotte, and we all came. We we met here at Myers Park, and we all came to worship on Sunday morning and heard Carlisle Marnie preach. He preached this. It was close to actually in the fall. It was, he preached the same sermon that Sunday that he was going to preach later in the month on the uh, CBS uh, Thanksgiving service that he uh, that he was to preach for. And so many of us got to hear that sermon twice, both on uh, that Sunday in early November and then later in later November on television. And what did you all think about it? Because it was kind of controversial. Oh, I thought it was powerful. Yeah. Uh, I had heard Carlisle Marnie preach before when I was a student at Campbell, he came down to preach. And so it was it was a powerful sermon, as, as always. Um, and then I went away to the University of Pennsylvania and joined an American Baptist church while I was in graduate school at Penn, Drexel Hill Baptist Church, an American Baptist church out in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. There was a progressive American Baptist church in some ways not unlike Myers Park, except that it didn't have uh, a divided chancel and this, this order of worship was a bit more traditional Baptist in terms of its, uh, its design. But it was still a progressive Baptist church and I thought to myself, thank God I've left Southern Baptist and I've found a church that I can feel comfortable in. It was a church in a neighborhood similar to Myers Park, with Drexel Hill is a, is a very uh, mainline uh, Philadelphia uh, suburb. And then when I got ready to leave, uh, Ralph Lightbody, who was a senior minister there then, and I got ready to leave uh, Penn to come to Charlotte, he said, I want you to consider Myers Park when you go down there. And I said, it's a Southern Baptist church. He said, but it's also an American Baptist church. And it's very progressive. I said, well, I know Carlisle Marnie, who was here, who was there. And I said, and Gene Owens, who is a, has been a dear friend of mine since the early 60s. This was 71. Uh, he and his wife, Ann, who are friends of mine, are, are there. And I said, I, should, and I understand that the founder of the university I'm going to be uh, a part of is a member of the board of deacons there. And he said, well, that gives you all the more reason to join the church. Well, I came down in the fall of 71, in the late summer of the fall of 71. And I told Gene immediately got in touch with me. And I said, Gene, I am not going to, I'm going to come to your church and I'm going to sit and worship but I cannot, by any stretch of the imagination, join another Southern Baptist church. They, they uh, boiled, fried, and uh, did everything else they could to me over the years. And I said, I just cannot take uh, defending Southern Baptists anymore. 
And he said, well, we'll just keep talking about you. Just keep coming to worship here. And of course I did. He and Ann had me over for dinner a couple of times because I was a bachelor then and didn't and had to cook for myself. And so we, they had me over occasionally for dinner. And then one day he called me after I've been coming to church here every, almost every Sunday since uh, August of 71. He called me one day a couple of years later at the university and said, let's have lunch together. And I said, well, I can't do it today. And he said, when can you do it? I said, I said, I can do it on uh, Friday. He said, well, that's my golf day. Is it my day I'm off? And I said, well, let me see what I can work out. And so a couple of weeks later, we got together for lunch one day. I don't even remember where it was. It was a townhouse. It was up at the townhouse, but the townhouse was still in existence. That's the holiest restaurant we had in town <laughs> <That's right. laughs> back then. Uh, and so we, I came all the way out here. He didn't have to travel very far. I came all the way out here for a late lunch on Friday afternoon. And he said, after we'd had lunch and talked and had a good time just talking about things, he said, uh, I still want you to join the church. I need you. I need you on some uh, boards with your, uh, with your intelligence, your wisdom, your, your education. And eventually I'll need you on the board of deacons because we need somebody there who has some serious theological training on the board of deacons. I said, Gene, I cannot bring myself to join a Southern Baptist church. He said, Dan, you don't have the grace to forgive Southern Baptists for what they did to you. I said, damn it, Gene, I do have the, the grace to forgive them too. Just, so, just because of that, I'm going to join your church. <laughs> and he said, I caught you. Yeah, that's great. And so uh, since I guess it was 73, I waited two or three years, 73 mm-hmm. or so, I joined the church and have been a member ever since then. Within two years, I told him, I said, I didn't want to do this this early because I thought it was, I not served the church very much and Deacon served the church. He said, but you've served other churches, you've preached in other churches, you're, you're, I want you to be on the board of deacons. And so by, the, by two or three years after I joined the church, I was on the board of deacons and I had become chair of one or two boards. He wanted me to be chair of what he called then the uh, board of ministry in which uh, he got together every month with a group of members of the church to talk about issues in the church. And, and so I just started right off. Uh, but I did, I tell you one thing I did do, though. When I joined the church, I sent Bonnie Cone, who was chair of the Board of Deacons at the time, I sent Bonnie Cone and Jean a letter saying, I am going to join the Myers Park Baptist Church under one and only one condition. And that is that you not report my statistic joining that church to the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville. <laughs> Whether they did or not, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but I have uh, I've lived in this church as a person who cares deeply about this community for 43, 44 years now, of the 46 I've been in Charlotte. And I have found a place here that I think is different from any church I've ever been in. I know it's different from any church I've ever been in, but different in more than just theological ways. It's a place where people can find a home to be themselves. 
And that's what's important about this church. We have had in this church over the years uh, people in to the right of, uh, of the political spectrum and to the left of the political spectrum. And they've all, most of them have lived together fairly, fairly well without killing themselves because they realize this place is a community of faith and acceptance. And there, there have been times when I've been tempted to say, you know, you've gone too far to, uh, to what, uh, not to the left because I'm fairly left-wing in my politics. You've gone too far in being open to some issues that I don't think we need to to play out again theologically because we've, we've gone beyond that. We've moved beyond those arguments. And there have been a couple of times when I think the church has when the church has mis well, how should I put this has not been as generously in treating staff as as it should have been as open and as caring to staff as it has been and that's bothered me at times but some of that has been the reluctance of the church of church members to come up with the budget every year some of it has been disagreements between some members of the church and some members of the staff which I thought could have been worked out but on the whole I think this church has been a a place where where, uh, God comes down and people come up to God and they find a, a meeting place. Mm. And I think that's important yeah. because yeah. all too often the church tries to determine where people meet God. And I think in this church, this church allows people to find God wherever they can find God. And that's why this church has succeeded. Mm. Well put. Yeah. As a community of faith. Yeah. 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 So as, as you think back over the history, um, what what have been your your proudest moments for the church? Where where did we you know stand out and do the right thing when it was hard to do that maybe we could have taken an easier route? Well, even before I came here, of course, Carlisle Marty led the church into led the church through the sixties of uh, of uh, integration in this uh, in this community. He was a, an outspoken. Uh, member of the uh, of the community as well as the church, and he led this church toward an openness there. That's a very proud moment, even before I came here. In the years I've been here, I think uh, I think there've been a number of uh, powerful moments in this church. Many of them center around this idea of the freedom of the pulpit. We allowed, I came here when Gene was already a senior minister. We allowed Gene to be his irascible self in the pulpit. There were, time, there were a few times in his sermons that I thought, Gene, you're just not going far enough. There were never any times when I thought he was going too far in helping the church to shape its understanding of its role in the community and in the uh, in the larger community as well as as a community of faith, but I think the, my, some of my proudest moments have been allowing the senior minister or whoever was preaching to preach the gospel as they saw it, even if sometimes I didn't think it was 
quite right when we had some visiting uh, ministers here. And occasionally, when some of our own ministers said they uh, preached sermons that I thought, well, I think you could have pushed it a little harder. And you didn't, you were not strong enough to push it that hard this, uh, this morning. I think that uh, we've had great preaching here generally, and I've been very proud that the church has allowed that pulpit to be open. Uh, particular moments, I think, in which I have been proud of this church, some of which I've participated in, uh, were helping to write the church covenant. Mm. Yeah. Uh, another one was, uh, because, it, because what it does is it ex- expresses some of those primary right. foundational ideas that began with George Heaton right. and can you continue on down to the present. Yeah. We'll talk about that for a minute because that is the most beloved document that we have today in 2018 is that covenant. But yet I don't think people really, many people don't really understand it. They say it, but they don't really know what they're saying to them. sometimes. If they did, I think it would scare, scare them to death as to what they were really saying our covenant with God and this church to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a deep document. You really, it is. You, you, you could, you know, you could, we spend a lifetime figuring out what it means and how to live it, and that's what, that's the power of it, I think. So I'm, you know, I'm curious what that process was like. I mean, it was you and Nancy Gear was um, and Jean and Jean and uh, gosh, I don't even remember who else was on the committee now. Yeah. Um, Did, do you recall it as a difficult process? Or? It was. It was a struggling process yeah. because we had people on the uh, on the committee on the task force uh, that were oh Carrie Dow was on, on the, okay Carrie Carrie was on there, there. Well, that's, and that, uh, we all struggled hand in hand with difficult doesn't it? <laughs> we all Great struggled man. and I forget I forget who some of the others were yeah. they'll come to mind maybe in a few minutes besides Carolyn Gear who was a chair uh-huh. Nancy it was a Carolyn? No, Carolyn Gear was oh, the Carol. chair. Okay. Carolyn Gear was the chair, and uh, it was a struggle. But it was a struggle towards something good. Mm. It was a struggle to figure out the best ways to say what this church and its members ought to be about, mm-hmm. and and so it, it it was a struggle of over a year. Uh, so that was one, a very proud moment for me yeah. because I was working with other members of the church to try to come to terms with what this church could say about itself and be proud to say about itself and be honest with itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that covenant does that. It does that, for sure. Another proud moment was uh, watching Gene struggle to get this church to uh, to go with, uh, uh, with fighting... Uh, the what, what, what will I call it? The the somewhat prohibitionary nature of uh, liquor in this county, uh, and he got he got some pushback at that. But I was proud that he stood for for people to be free to make their own decisions. That was a big a big moment. Um, the Vietnam War was a, a major a major uh, struggle through Gene's ministry here. The ringing of the bells and his decision is saying, look, they may not be my bells, but I can take a bell into the pulpit and I can ring it, and he did. Um, but, but as far as the whole church goes, I think another major moment 
was the church deciding to create its own hymnal. And I was on the hymnal task force to do that. And it encouraged me to write some hymns for the church. Uh, by this time, I've written 32 hymns since the uh, early 90s, some of which are, uh, were published in the hymn book because those are the only ones I'd written by that time. Um, and I think, that, I think the congregation, even though some of our minister, uh, ministers of music think that, have thought that that wasn't a great hymnal, I think it's, a, it's one of the best hymnals for this church because it takes some of the best hymns that this church has always liked throughout its history uh, into worship on Sunday morning. Another fine moment, I think, was having been on, my having been on the, um, the original covenant committee was being asked to be on the committee to uh, alter the covenant or to edit the covenant to include the open to all, close to none, openness for all communities to be a part of this church, including uh, not only African American, which were already in the church, but an open acceptance of uh, the LGBT community in this church. Uh, that was a very proud moment for me. Uh, I've been on uh, I've been on very uh, two very important senior minister search committees, um, and the way that operated in most in most means of that operation made me very proud that that nobody was trying to control anybody's attempt to uh, to uh, reshape the church in any major way. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, the two senior ministers that whose uh, I was on search committee for uh, in their own ways were good for the church. I think their um, all senior ministers bring with them their own problems, their own issues, and sometimes those issues uh, cannot be understood very well by the congregation. They cannot be understood. The congregation cannot be understood very well by the senior ministers. But I think we've worked through most of our senior minister issues over the years fairly well and I've been proud of that. Mm -hmm. I've been proud that we've been able to do it without uh, the, uh, the serious uh, bitterness and friction that so many Baptist churches go through. So that's another thing I've been mm -hmm. proud of. Yeah. How, how do you think, when you look at the church today in 2018, how has it changed since you joined back in the early 70s? What, what are, are there any big differences? Yes. Are there, many, there, there are a number of differences. Uh, I think the uncertainty every year that we will make the budget has become more prominent than it used to be. Because there were at, at one time, while I was, when I first came to the church, there were still uh, families in this church who would make up the difference. We can't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. We just right. don't have that uh, that old wealth mm -hmm. much anymore in this church in which people can just open up their pockets. So it's a struggle every year, yeah. more than it used to be. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first came on the board, the first meeting of the Board of Deacons I was on back in the late 70s, the issue was how to pay for the York Chiller, 
to be replaced or repaired. I thought to myself, is this what I'm getting myself into? Having to deal with uh, uh, air conditioning and heating units. I said, that's, uh, but, but you know, we worked it out and there, somebody, I don't know, I don't even know who it was now, but some families in the church said, we'll pay part of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was possible up until the early 80s, or early, early to mid 80s. Yeah. And, um, and now it's no longer possible. Yeah. And I view that as good and bad because, you know, since we can't rely on deep pockets to come in and rescue us, we all have to figure out a way That's right. to get things done. And, you know, in the end, we do somehow. I mean, we'd all like to have more money. but We, we sort of do. We sort of do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's painful and it's last minute. But we, That's true. We kind of pull together and do what has to be done. But I, but I hear you. Yeah, I agree. That's been a big change. And I think another change is that we don't have. We are. We have been in uh, for years now an aging church in terms of membership, age of uh, our members, but we're getting more younger people in the church. But I'm still not sure yet that they understand really what this church means in terms of the depth of the power of this place in worship, in education. In um, in its theological history, its its own its own history as a uh, as a community of faith. When they do when they do finally grab what all that means, I think they will be they'll be as proud as I am, not in a egotistical way, but as proud as I am to be a part of a faith community that uh, that has been a powerful influence on the lives of my family. And on my life in my years here in Charlotte, mm-hmm. I uh, I think another change has been that uh, has been and this this has happened since um, in a way it's happened since Ben has come, but there were also instances of this before Ben came. Worship takes on different ways of expression. Uh, more frequently now than it did in the past. I know that there were several years in which Jean, Jean, uh, Jim Barry, and I worked together to create a ser- series of worship services that were based on some of the great oratorios of the church, of the Christian church, of Handel, of Mendelssohn, of Bach, and others. And we had dancing in the, uh, we had, uh, people doing dance in the chancel uh, and, and there were other things that were done that were part of that. That was alternative worship too. Mm-hmm. Now I think our alternative worship is a little to me it's a little it, it's certainly much less formal than our worship on, normally on Sunday morning but I'm not sure that it's as to me, it's not as spiritually satisfying as our worship on Sunday morning, because as a as a professor who teaches worship, uh, among other things, uh, in the Asian religions as well as in Christianity at the university, I know what's happening in all those various segments of worship that we have outlined in our order of worship. I know the history of that. I know its power. 
And there are times when that power almost overwhelms me. But it doesn't do that in those alternative worship services mm-hmm. because it doesn't have it doesn't have that that whole history of the Christian church coming up behind it to uh, to bolster it to, and to give me some sense of its its purpose. It's okay to do this, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but to do these alternative worships occasionally. But I am still so uh, so much a historian of uh, worship that. Um, that I understand all of the gifts we've been given for 2,000 years, and I think that much of that we ought to keep yeah. and retain. Uh, maybe I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. But no. it's, 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 You're it, not alone, Dan. You're not it's, alone. It's not my... Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's part of my academic persona, but it's also a part of what I found here when I first came here they gave me a lot of spiritual food mm-hmm. that uh, that I knew was coming from the struggles of uh, of churches and denominations and and martyrs and others in the Christian faith over the centuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely more to worship than meets the eye if you just come in and visit for an hour. And, yeah. You know, there, there's like. And when I do, when I, I'm not doing them now because they're not doing that as part of people's um, orientation. But for some years now, after T.B. Hawkins died, I did the uh, the uh, tours of the church for prospective new members in orientation. I'm not doing that. I haven't done that for a couple of years now. Uh, since Mariah Curran left her position, I haven't done it. Uh, and I was done doing it before Mariah came, too. But... Um, I think the church probably a disappointment is the church new church members do not know what is what it means to be in that room. I mean, there's this you talk about things that don't, they don't know and don't understand and uh, can't appreciate. Well, I try with I've tried with those uh, uh, tours of the of the church building, the worship building. To give them a sense of what worship means in this building, in this room, what it, uh, what people like Lib Dow wanted it to mean, and what later people have wanted it, to, later ministers and others have wanted it to mean in that room, and uh, and I show them little parts of that uh, uh, that saint, uh, that building that um, that they will never see or would never have even thought and probably shouldn't even exist in there mm-hmm. because it's a Protestant church and not a Roman Catholic church with a with a little place for pouring the holy water and the leftover wine down into the uh, down into the ground. We don't do that. But there are just little things in, in and around that building that comprise both Protestant, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, or Byzantine, and uh, an ancient church history, as well as more uh, modern uh, periods of church history. There, up until the 1950s when it, uh, when it was built, there's a whole history of Christianity and Judaism in that, in that, uh, uh, that room that most of our church members who have joined the church in the last couple of years don't even know about. Yeah, we definitely need to resurrect that. Too. I think we do, because they're giving us a sense... It gives them a sense. Not many of them showed up. That's one of the reasons why. Well, we should open it to the whole congregation. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go on it again. 
I, I mean, I've been on it a couple times, but it's been 30 years ago, 20 it, It's powerful, Bob. Yeah. It's really powerful what that room means. Mm-hmm. And every time I walk into that room, and I've been sitting in the same pew since the late 70s, because that's when I first met Sally and her family, and Roy and Sarah Raven sat in that pew from the time they came there in the 1966, and, and Sally did too. And so I've been sitting at the same pew for 47 years, and I can look around and I can see all that, all that architecture from that one pew, from that pew forward. And yet there are things hidden in the back and in the, uh, in the um, uh, balcony and elsewhere that give a sense of, and I know where those things are, and they give a sense of power to that place, symbolic power to that place, that people just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you've already you've already kind of started talking about this topic, but looking ahead, what, you know, what are your biggest hopes for Myers Park Baptist? The world is changing so rapidly, and what role will we play in the future? And what do we need to stay relevant? If you had asked me forty-seven years ago when I came to UNC Charlotte, what I would be doing in nineteen. Uh, uh, 90 uh, or 1995 or 2000 or 2005 or 2015 or 2018 as it is now I couldn't have told you I don't have a uh, I don't have a crystal ball but I have some hopes for the church I hope that it will, it will appreciate what it's history is all about not only in on this corner but in this community and in the larger world of the Christian church I don't think this people I don't think people understand what this church means to people beyond this place a couple of weeks ago uh, the uh, annual endowed lecture for our the, the department has for the university uh, was held the annual lecture. We had a professor from Columbia University who uh, who gave the lecture. It was uh, I had been able to select him as the person to do the lecture this year because I'm retiring at the end of the academic year, and uh, so I wanted someone in my field to come and do the uh, South Asian religions to do the lecture. He and I were talking. He said, "You know, my office window looks out over Riverside Church." And he said, there are only a few churches in this country that have the progressive possibility for changing this world. And a church here in Charlotte has that continued possibility. Do you know Myers Park Baptist Church? I said, I'm a member at Myers Park. He said, well, I only heard Carlisle Marnie preach once but I heard Gene Owens preach several times at Union Seminary while I was a student a graduate student at Columbia and he said if that church continues in that vein you will continue to influence the world in ways you don't know about so that is my biggest hope I think that we will reach people and continue to reach people and give them hope and possibilities for uh, 
understanding the place of God in this world that we don't even know we do. That's my biggest hope. Because here was Jack Hawley, a professor, an endowed professor of South Asian religions at Columbia University, who knew about Myers Park because of its two because of two of its senior ministers, whom he had heard preach at Union, and because he continued uh, occasionally to hear of the kinds of ways we are open to all and closed to none throughout the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's my biggest hope. Okay. Good. Good. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. And uh, thank you thank you for your time, Dan, and all your service to the church over the years, the decades. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate that, Bob. Yeah. And thank you for yours as well.